you know, then you then you have time to develop love for yourself and like develop like self-reflection. I think people are really missing that too. You go and you dissociate all day at work. Then after work, you go out for drinks. Then you're sleeping. It's like you're just not actually t- people don't actually take time to, for themselves because that's a huge part of this industry is being taught to overwork essentially. So yeah, like what that looks like. I mean, there's a, a bunch of different avenues. But as vague as it can be, would be just like people that are enjoying their time and that comes with self-reflection and respecting people around you. And structure. I mean, Katie, you talked about in-depth structure of essentially like, okay, I have this question. You're not afraid to come to your managers. You're not afraid to go to your owners. It's like, hey, I actually messed up. And I'm like, that's chill. Let's work through it together. Like, it's really not a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. You know how many times I mess up making candy every day of my goddamn life? Like, it's a thing. It's fine. And we're going to get through it instead of just being upset about it, I guess, is the best way to explain it. Hello, and welcome to Food Crush, the on Milwaukee podcast for people who eat. As always, Lori, (laughs) I was in the middle of an intro. I expect interruptions (laughs) from the puppies, not from you. That was Lori Frederick, dining editor at onmilwaukee.com, being oddly sassy this afternoon (laughs) with our intros. And I'm Matt Miller, culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. Uh... And today we have awesome guests, but we're going to stall a little bit because I just like a little dramatic tension. Uh, We're going to be talking about pasta today, right, Lori? We are. My favorite of all the foods. Matt's favorite of all the foods. I've been cooking. I've been cooking cooking. pasta. And not just SpaghettiOs. And not just (laughs) spaghetti with crappy craft Parmesan cheese sprinkled on top. I've been cooking pasta, so I'm going to have to steal some advice from our guests. Yeah, I'm sure they will be happy to give it to you. Yeah, See, this and, is they, just... and, they're, and they're next level because they're actually making the pasta part. So they they think they think that they came here to talk about <laughs> restaurants and stuff like that, but really, this is just me stealing cooking ideas from them. <laughs> untrue, untrue. There but is now. no podcast. Yes, this is <laughs> no this podcast. Is, just yeah, this isn't even a podcast. This is never airing. <laughs> this is just, just Matt saving this in the audio <laughs> vault. I'm like, oh, interesting. Starch, pasta, water. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cooking it in water. Didn't think about that. Boiling water. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, before we get, we bore everyone too much. Um, yeah, we're here with two guests today. Um, they are the folks from Strega, which is a brand new concept, which will be debuting soon at the Third Street Market Hall. And behind that are Katie Gabert and Sam Sandrin. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And I don't know, like, I want to go way back now a little bit. <laughs> um, but first, but first, let's talk about, give me the elevator speech. What is Strega? So Strega is a concept that was actually created for Third Street Market. Um, it definitely has a lot of pieces of me and evolved into a lot of pieces of Sam as well. Um, but it is going to be a kind of fast food pop-up pasta shop at the Third Street Market. We're taking on one of the hawker stalls at um, Dairyland's Commissary Kitchen, and we'll run that for upwards of, you know, a year and a half or so, as long as they let us stay in that space until we'll offer up the space and, you know, for someone else in the community to take over. So so you're kind of, this is this is fun, because all of these hawker stalls are like either somewhat developed 
the not yet debuted concept or concepts that are trying to take something to the next level. So in your mm-hmm. case, it's kind of like a big, fat, amazing, experimental. Oh, absolutely. Of, yeah, it's, it's kind of the idea behind the hawker stalls is to create the stepping stone. So, you know, if that next step would be even as small as like a food truck, I mean, Anyone that owns a food truck knows that it's not a small step, but you know, just like it doesn't necessarily need to be a brick and mortar, but it's for people kind of really in the beginning, just trying to find their place and, um, you know, also have some capital and, you know, start somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's the best because food halls should be filled with all sorts of things, you know, and things that come and go so that every time you walk in, there's like something new. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, so how did you guys, like, let's talk about your story, your background, like the pasta concept is not new to you, Katie. Mm. And, and you guys kind of have taken on two roles with this. So not to put the cart before the horse too much, but sure. I guess talk about this, like your stories, your backgrounds, and then what made you guys decide to work together? Cause there's like a yin and yang to that always when it sure i think yeah i'll kind of start and then sammy if you kind of want to go into your end of it Um, yeah for sure but uh so i i don't know i've been working in the industry for about the past 10 years um a little bit more than that actually i've worked um you know in all different kinds of aspects of it i've worked in service for a little bit then i went into catering and cafe and essentially kind of found my place in you know like casual fine dining kind of like dinner service vibes um you know, as to like these last seven years, which is where I think my career really took hold of itself. And actually I created an identity um, that was based off of everything I had learned up until that point. Um, I was at Good Kind and just working with Lisa Kirkpatrick um, pretty much right away after I started there. Um, we just started, we just, we still to this day, we got along so well, worked so well together. It was like the communication between us, um, I mean, it didn't take much for us to get to a dish or for us to kind of like start really motivating or inspiring one another. So I started doing pasta almost right away after I started working at Good Kind. And they had just opened up, you know, maybe a few weeks, maybe a month or two before I had started there. Um, and they were already, she'd already kind of put pasta on the menu a bit. Um, but I think I remember her saying like after the first day or so that she had it on my prep list, just being like, she could kind of see through watching me because like Lisa is a very observant leader and chef. Um, just see that I was enjoying myself and saw that I was also doing it well. So that's kind of where it took off. And um, we worked on a lot of other things together. And I didn't even realize that I was like specializing in this pasta program until it was a few you know months in and people were referencing me when it came to like good kind pasta and all of those things you woke up one day and you were like the pasta goddess of good yeah suddenly (laughs) yes the pasta king suddenly um but um yeah so and i think it's because for you know it was never quite a vanity project it was always just working with lisa that i really loved and just like putting up really good food and um a lot of love went into it which i think is obviously one of the most important things but um yeah, so that's the kind of where I got familiarized with pasta and started studying it, really. It's this endless journey, you know, regardless of, you know, whatever you're practicing. Um, but yeah, so I I think once COVID started about a year and a half ago, um, everyone just being at home, not doing much, I was doing a bit of like, um, you know, I'd put together like tamale sets or like dinner sets that would be like gnocchi and different bread bakes and things like that and just sell them um, online. 
And that was for like, you know, to give money off to like different nonprofits and stuff like that, because at the time I was getting unemployment. So I was like, my rent and everything was taken care of. I had money to feed myself. So it was kind of just like missing cooking for people and serving for people. Mm -hmm. And I was just like giving back to the community. Um, and it was there, you know, a few months into that, that, you know, I've been pretty open with posting things online and I love sharing cool pictures and like kind of showing like showcasing pasta and different things that I'm working on, um, in a really beautiful way, like kind of like through my eyes and, um, Kurt Fogel and Katie O'Neill Fogel had been following me and that's when they reached out to me to, um, kind of work on this pasta concept, which brings us to third street market. So it was basically like, you know, although I'm building the concept for Third Street, it came from almost everything that I've been working on for the past, you know, five or so years. Um, so I began working with Kurt uh, more predominantly right after that, just like kind of staying in contact, um, having the for sure go I mean, back in October, last October, although everything was going for sure with Dairyland, like they were definitely going to open this commissary kitchen. It really wasn't until the end of, you know, 2020 that I really was like, okay, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like after <laughs> COVID had just changed so many things and my perspective on the industry and just like suddenly things that I thought would really matter to me weren't so much, but what, what really stood true was that I wanted to like cook for people and I wanted to give back to the community in that way. And I also wanted to practice just something that I really love doing. Um, so that's kind of where at the end of last year, Strega was officially brought to life. That's where I think I played around with a lot of different names that I can't even remember right now. Um, even Strega itself had a lot of different, um, you know, versions. It was like, was I going to, for a while it was like, it'll be Strega Sugo, which means gravy, Witch. I thought that was fun. Um, <laughs> Strega Verde, you know, and at one point I was like, what, when am I just like kind of playing with this language versus like what actually the name needs to be, which is just something to let people have, give people an idea of what they will be getting, mm -hmm. you know, before they click on the name, you know. It's like the Justin Timberlake in social network, like just Facebook. It's cleaner. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> right. I was like, what am I, I'm just playing with all these things. And, um, but yeah, so Strega, of course there's like Strega Nona, I get asked a lot, like if it was inspired by that book. I mean, that definitely naturally is a, a part of the inspiration because it exists, it existed in my childhood and it's something that I think is in the back mm. of my mind. Um, but really it came when I was starting to play with just like different names of pastas and things like that. And also deciding if I wanted to really focus on, you know, if it was, if I really wanted to focus on even the pasta aspect, because that's going to be something that will like showcase itself. Do I really need to put that in the name? Like things like that. Um, but yeah, it's just as much of what I am as it is like a concept outside of me, which can only be completed once you're serving it to people or once I have a staff that I'm working with. Um, so I even remember talking to Kurt, he was like, what really comes first? Like the concept or the name or the name or the concept. And it was kind of funny juggling that <laughs> as things were, were coming in, were falling into place. It's like, I don't know, because right now I'm building the concept at the same time that I'm naming it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, within a few months I'd, I'd met, uh, Sam earlier that year and she had kind of known that I was working on this thing but it really wasn't not that it was a secret but I wasn't really sharing with people because it was so early in the process um but you know I did some traveling and I, I had gotten back from a trip and it was kind of like it be it was the next part of the the project which was basically committing in a whole nother way and up until that point and this is this last spring at this point I had been doing it you know alone and 
although I'm like an introvert and I enjoyed being able to like hyper focus on this, I, you know, you realize pretty quickly where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. <laughs> and just, I knew that I had to build a team of some sort immediately. And, you know, not really sure what that meant as far as like a partnership level or if I'm hiring people. Um, and just as Sam and I had been kind of getting closer professionally um, the months prior, I remember I got back from this trip and and I don't remember who suggested it first, but within, you know, a few minutes of us discussing it, she suggested, I think it might've been Sammy who was kind of like, do you want help with this? Like, I know how to do that. I think I referenced something. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she's like, I can do that. I can help you with that. Whether it was front of house work or licensing, I'm not sure what, but um, within like 24 hours after that, we had decided to partner up. So um, that's where Strega took like kind of the next step into evolution and brought it closer to what it is today, which is still technically a concept until we put a plate of food up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It's I'd just love to an know idea. That, yeah. that fall down the pasta rabbit hole. How intimidating was that? Like this idea of like this entire pantheon and this entire history of all these pastas and all this culture that goes into each of these shapes and stuff like that. What was that kind of trip down that rabbit hole like? I think when I, I mean, it was daunting, but it was just as much exciting at the same time. And I've, since I began in this industry, and I don't know if it has to do with my career or just as a person, but always like feeling excited by things that are daunting or scary because that tech, I mean, essentially that means that it's something new that you will be learning and it should be something that you can, um, you know, kind of like grab onto versus being afraid and running away from. So I say, I don't know, it's like, I love learning and I think taking it step by step and day by day and also having um, a mentor was really helpful as well. And knowing that, I mean, even to this day, there will be like different pasta shapes or I'll have to like, it'll be on a menu, we'll be at a restaurant and on the menu, it'll have like a list of different pastas. And my mom will be like, oh, what's this one? And I'm like, I'm Googling that because I don't know. (laughs) I'm definitely not saying, yeah, like at the end of the day, there's still, you know, so much that I don't know. So it, it is... I guess it's not as scary as much as it is just like really exciting. Cause like it's like, it never ends. Like no matter how far back I I go in time. Yeah. Yeah. And even like people that are developed, developing pasta to this day. So I could go, you know, back into the history of it, or I could move sideways into like what people are doing presently. And even that seems endless. Sometimes, you know, you go online and you, I mean, now my algorithms on the Striga Instagram is so crazy. It's just all different kinds (laughs) of pasta producers, whether that's on like, you know, corporate levels or people that are just doing really fun things at home. And it's like, there's just so much that I could play with or, but that's kind of where it comes down to, you know, it's really nice to have the opportunity to just like kind of pick and choose what really like drives me or what really drives Sam as far as like inspiration and um, kind of run with that. Which uh, pastas kind of inspire you the most then? How do you mean? Like, well, it sounded like there, there were like you were saying that you could go into the past or you could go kind of in those sideways directions. Um, is there a kind of pasta that's the most exciting for you to make or the most exciting for you to develop or play with as a concept? Um, I, I think right now it's extruded pasta, which is what we're moving into um, at Third Street. So for a while, because um, there's all different kinds of doughs. So if you're extruding it through a pasta extruder versus if you're going to be hand rolling it versus if it's going to be something that will be rolled and then dried. So for me, I think like the really flashy and colorful pastas or like pastas that are 
you know, all different colors and like shaped like this pasta looks like a succulent or this pasta looks like something else. That's really like beautiful and cool. But for me, I, I really like to focus on um, just creating a really like flavorful pasta, which is just like using good flour. And if you're using eggs, using quality eggs um, and then really focusing on just like what's getting paired with it. So what kind of sauces you could put with it and like focusing on the simplicity Um when I go online too, I think it's really fun to follow different techniques. So techniques, of course, change throughout the years. There are really traditional ones that you can find in, you know, all different kinds of books and recipe books that go back into like the history of pasta, which is extremely lengthy. Um, but for me, it's just like really focusing on a simple dough and, you know, just like simple products around, you know, locally, which not to use the word local as a buzzword, but truly it's like the the most genuine and authentic thing I could do and what comes easiest to me is doing what's local because it is what's most natural to where I am in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. So but. Sam, you've been so kind and quiet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just like taking it all in. I'm like, yes, Katie. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, so, gonna, so, Sam's so interrogation well. begins now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but where do you want to start? I mean, because you've been in the industry. You've probably both been in the industry around the same length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think we have about, I think it's almost 12 years for me. Um, it's kind of been everywhere. I mean, I basically focused on front of house, but then kind of over the years, I was like, wow, I really love food and eating it. What exactly does this mean for me? Um, so I kind of started around the time of, oh, I'm going to sweep this kitchen floor for $5. That's cool. Um, And then it just kind of expanded into every kind of part of the industry. So it's like, oh, I went from sweeping to dishwashing to room service to hosting to serving to bartending to managing all throughout the front of the house. And then in the back of the house, it literally went dishwashing, prep cook, line cook, pastry chef, everything like that. So... I'm definitely more into the pastry. Katie definitely is the goddess of pasta for sure. Um, I definitely don't have that much experience in that specific thing, but it's kind of everywhere. So for me, I started Innovation in Wabatosa and everything kind of started to evolve in that way of, I went to, went to Lowlands after that. I went to a couple other smaller places. I started really falling in love with pastry Growing up in general, my dad was like, oh, you don't need anything else besides sugar. Just have that. I don't care if you're hyperactive for 15 hours of the day. Just have sugar, um, uh, which is awful. But one of the also many the reasons opposite I... opposite of everyone, you know. Like, right. you know. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, my dad just basically treated sugar as like another food group. Um He's the only person I've ever heard of being a vegetarian for over 60 years. Mm-hmm. So he was like, in the time of meat eating, it was really important. He was like, no, I'll have beans and chocolate. So <laughs> nice. instead, it was just like totally different and decided to do something along those lines. So I really fell in love with pastry when I uh, became a manager at Grace Patisserie in Walker's Point. And I really just fell in love with it. And then me and Katie met at a local hotel in Wabatosa that was opening. And we just really connected. Like, I can't imagine living life without her at this point, professionally and as a person. So, 
I mean, it just really, really works. We have the same morals and everything from the industry. We've kind of experienced it somehow together at the same time, but not knowing each other. So it's just really interesting for sure. Well, and that's, it's kind of amazing. I always feel like when you meet folks who you feel somehow attached to in a very short period of time, because you're like, wow, like, like, like we've known each other forever, but we really haven't. Um, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, Katie met, and it was like one of the first relationships that we had right outside of COVID. So, like, it was one of the first per- professional relationships that we got into right after, like, the first round of COVID. So, it's just, it was very special for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. At a time when not many people are actually meeting other. Right, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I know <clears throat> when I sat down to talk to you about the Struggle concept um, that we got off and running on was really <laughs> just, um, you know, we talked a lot about, about Strega and the concept behind that and like what you hope to bring to the table as far as food. Um, but we also talked a lot about just like the need for change in the restaurant industry. And I think, you know, the pandemic was also a really good breeding guard, breeding ground for a lot of people in terms of thinking and evaluating and, you know, just looking at like the world around them and going, how do I, <laughs> how do mm-hmm. I engage with this? How do I make this better? How do I, you know, how do I fix this? Absolutely. At least I think it was. And I think that's a product, that was a productive thing that happened over the pandemic. So, so you guys aren't just getting together to create a restaurant. You're getting to get, or the restaurant concept, but you're getting together to sort of, I don't know, present a new, maybe a new model. I don't yeah, know. a new mm-hmm. dynamic for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. both me and Katie have faced everything that you can imagine. I mean, harassment and assault through almost every job I have ever had. And it makes me want to enforce change. And it's basically, if you're not a cis white male, the restaurant industry kind of doesn't like you right away it's mm-hmm. um basically the first job all before i was 18 it was i was being called jail bait or i was pushed into a corner in a walk-in and i was scared i was forced to hug my managers before i could even clock out and that was all before i was 18 it's just after 12 years is you kind of just want to flip it upside down and just change things for the better and there's no better time to start doing that than right now Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a big thing is too, like with COVID, which un- we're gonna, probably going to mention a few times, just like kind <laughs> of, you know, everyone coming to a different sense of themselves and like of community and the world and everything. I think for me, you know, being out of work in that time and it pulled, it pulled me personally out of, I, I believe I was that good kind. I was also working at Pabst a bit, um, which was great, but it was like, how do I, I remember a few months in being like, all right, what, I don't know what the industry is going to look like after this, but like, what am I going to do when I, when I, when I go back into it? Like, how do I want to, I felt like I didn't want to waste any more time being afraid or waste any more time, you know, you know, walking on eggshells or just like trying to live up to certain weird expectations or like participating in this toxic industry. And like, but I knew that I wanted to stay in it. I'm like, if I just pull out of it, it's like, well, then who's left? You know, like, especially in somewhere as small as like Milwaukee, it's like a lot of people did pull out of it, but yeah, it's like, and I, and I see that in Sam too. It's kind of like, all right, well, if we're going to do something next and this is going to be 
you know, either whether it's expanding in our career or like just like socially in this industry, especially of owning a business, it's like, what is that actually going to look like? Because I don't want it to just be vanity projects or just like making a paycheck or just like making it by anymore. Like, I'm not saying, I don't know. It's uh, it's not only, it's definitely about the money, but it's also about like everything that you're, everything else. So like pretending that this is going to be something that we're just going to like do to get by just didn't make any sense for us. And I think... Mm-hmm. You know, since we've been kind of posting about that online, or I am pretty um, open on my personal, you know, blogs or whatever online. I'm only on Instagram, but like getting a lot of feedback from the other hawker stalls that will be there and kind of like people in general. I can, I know we're not the only ones, but it's interesting to see like the conversation getting started. But it's like sometimes it starts and then it just stops. And I think Mm -hmm. us being like consistently open and talking about it, it's really cool to see a lot of different people and a lot of different chefs kind of come out of the woodwork and be like, all right, we're going to talk about this too. Or like, all right, we're going to, we're on the same page because it doesn't, it can't just be one or two people. Like we need to be doing it together. Like it it takes a village. Right. Yeah. There has been that kind of thing throughout this pandemic. Not that there were good things to come from the pandemic, but it does feel like people really took a look at the world in their time right now and, and across all areas. And we're like, what can, this isn't going great for a lot of people. What can yeah. we do to amend that? And I think you're seeing that right now with the kind of hiring issues right now is I think a lot of people went through this pandemic and were like, do I want to keep working this crappy job with this crappy pay? Can I do better? And can mm-hmm. the industry do better? Sure. And yeah, and I, and I think that's across a lot of industries. Everywhere. Um, but I think this one in particular, like yeah. sea change, would not be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, it's I mean, the you bare see, minimum. like, oh, sorry, it's go like ahead. the bare minimum has changed right now. <laughs> or like yeah. respect. We were just talking about how like respect and like transparency and like inclusion is always been the bare minimum for us, and it's like it's so hard to like having like for years having to fight for that, just like as a woman. But then there's also this interesting, we were just discussing it early today and we've discussed it before, like the concept of being an oppressed oppressor. So no matter what industry you are in, whatever you're doing for us, it's the service industry. As women, we are oppressed, but as white people, we are oppressors. So being able to kind of take cues from ourselves and what we expect as women, oppressed women, like how can we outreach and like fulfill our duties as a white person also, who is in turn oppressing people of color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so. interesting because this has taken on so many levels. I mean, the the restaurant industry was largely built, I mean, and in the U.S., you know, it was like the restaurant industry itself was built by, you know, by French, mm-hmm. <laughs> French yeah. male chefs, right? So you go back that far, you know, and then you have this this industry that's built by men from a different country, you know, and then largely also became, you know, about, you know, white men here. Mm-hmm. Um and and you look at just to me it, had a, it has been really interesting. So and I've been probably I don't know I've been doing food writing and working with industry folks. Overall, I guess talking with industry people for at least fifteen years, um, and then writing about it for ten. And I've heard you know I hear so many stories, and it's and especially from women you know who basically are like hard as nails, really, for getting through everything that they've gotten through to make it, 
you know, you talk to mm-hmm. any any female chef, um, a female chef who started a restaurant, just simply people who are working lines, even even front of house staff, you know, and you hear the same things over and over and over again. Um, and it's it's fascinating to me that we have a hospitality in, industry, you know, where the whole idea is you are giving people, you know, people come to the restaurant and the whole idea is to give them this amazing experience, right? Right. And, and internally, that's not, you know, that doesn't work backwards. <laughs> you know, right. yeah, I mean, exactly. there, are, there are certain restaurants with certain cultures where they're also looking to make, give employees, you know, this amazing experience as well, you know, and train them and allow them to grow and, you know, to be accepted and be part of a family. Um, but it's not everywhere. And, but what's interesting about that and what I keep coming back to is because it's hospitality, it's like you have to keep it a secret because otherwise it ruins everything. Yep. And that's the shame of it all. Like, like God forbid we tell people like, oh my gosh, there are workers back there, you know, yeah. you know and, and years and years ago, it was like, there were these angry white men. The angry French chef, you know, the angry white chef who was yelling at all the other men chefs in the kitchen. And then that became like a norm of culture. And then it became like, oh, we're cool men. We yell at each other. But we also, you know, can kiss the line cook anytime we want. Or we can, you know, like, I mean. Yeah, exactly. and And it's weird because it's been hidden. I think because it's largely like, no, nobody needs to know that. That ruins the restaurant experience. And it's like. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. Or um, like ruins the reputation of like the head chef, which is some guy. Mm-hmm. Right. That could know. go anywhere else and find a job and not have to work as hard for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You think- know, and it's the exact opposite thing at Striker that we want to create. It's like, no, we want to make it better for everybody involved. It's mm-hmm. like, just because we went through it, we want to do the exact opposite and make sure someone coming in is not bitter to the industry like we are right now. And we want to make sure that everyone actually has a space to learn and grow as opposed to like, oh, no, you have to go through a rough 10 years to get where we are. That's yeah. not at all what yeah. we want. Yeah, we want to do no the hazing. exact No hazing opposite. necessary. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. right. Well, and, and I think this applies. And we're talking about it like, you know, you two are women and we talk about it in that way. But, you know, I've talked to a number of gay male chefs who walk into kitchens and they're like, you know, if you're a guy, like you burn yourself on the flat top, you're expected to just be like, oh, 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 that sort of hurt, you know, like, yeah, and push right. it aside. Rough and dirt on like, it. you're not allowed, <laughs> you're not allowed to be sad or, you know, yeah. like, or say, ouch, <laughs> yeah, you know, or, um, and that that can be really, really, you know, I mean, that's intimidating to everybody, you know, to people yeah. who actually feel feelings. <laughs> to, yeah, you know, exactly. To people who- I mean, the amount of places that I've worked at, like someone has literally cut the tip of their finger off and they're yeah. expected to come back. I'm like, what are you doing? Go home. You can't even hold a knife. It's just right. yeah. the expectation right. instead of, you know, it getting better. To me, it's just like you have to grin and bear it. And that's you're a person. You need yeah. to be treated like a person. There is no reason why a person should have to work injured. That is insane. And that goes mentally and physically. I mean, the mm-hmm. expectations of what we're setting right now are going to stay with us forever. Like, we need to change now or else it's going to get worse. And it just, there's no reason for it to get that way. This episode of Food Crush is brought to you by On Milwaukee on Vacay 
a brand new travel experience hosted by On Milwaukee in collaboration with our friends at Travel Leaders. Our inaugural trip will take place in March of 2022, and you're invited to join me and Food Crush co-host Matt Miller on an unforgettable food-filled vacation to Riviera Maya, Mexico. We'll be soaking up the sun, enjoying poolside cocktails, eating amazing food, and taking a very special excursion to the recently uncovered Mayan ruins at Ek Balam. Intrigued? Get more information at onmilwaukee.com slash onvacay. Well, and I, and I feel like the pandemic is like, you know, I think I said this when the pandemic started, that if, they, if there's a good time to change anything, you know, about an industry, it's when it's coming back mm-hmm. from like an unprecedented, like the worst possible time ever. Yeah, you know, right. because you have to change something. Yeah. I mean, the the model for even operating, you know, even the financial model for restaurants, like it was broken. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it meant that it was harder to survive a a big tragic shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then there's all these things that come with it, and it's it's kind of like there's an opening there. Like, okay, we're getting out, we're getting through this. And if things don't change now, it's like they're going to go back and be twice as bad. Yeah. Right? Or even, like, like, yeah. And I think kind of the spotlight on everyone right now, too, uh, specifically in this industry, it's kind of interesting about, like, I don't know, the idea, I don't know, even, like, preparing our notes for this podcast, kind of, like, where we wanted to, what we actually wanted to get across. And there, we started going through so many different stories of things we've experienced that was like we actually had to like take a breather a half hour before coming on because we were like kind of mentally jarred and like emotionally jarred by just like revisiting all of these experiences experiences we've had and kind of thinking like is this something we really need to even share like the idea of like calling people out like we of course people love hearing like these like horror stories right because they're like controversial and interesting and like it's crazy. juicy like, oh drama yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kitchen right. nightmares is a thing you know yes. like watching mm-hmm. the whole idea mm-hmm. and like having a spot like i was telling someone i was coming on here and that our our discussions another uh, a service worker um i was telling her that i was coming on here a few weeks ago or like right after we had planned it and she was kind of like i told her that our conversation was going to kind of revolve around toxic culture of the industry and she immediately jumped to well, don't name anyone. Like, you don't want to, like, get anyone in trouble. And I was right. like, of course I'm not out here trying to drop names, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like, that's your first concern is keeping the secrets of, like, all of the, dis- like, the terrible things that we've gone through, like, especially mm-hmm. as another woman. And it's really under- interesting how we're kind of, like, brainwashed to almost deny ourselves of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, now that we have a spotlight on this industry, it's kind of like when we reopen up everything, it's, it's less about, um, you know, outing all these people but more like preventing them from happen from th- from those things from right, happening again. Right. Well, and I think it's interesting because we've seen it kind of blow up nationally. You know, there's been a lot of like exposés, you know, on yeah. male chefs and ass- and particularly um, male chefs with regard to assault or anger management or mm-hmm. you know any number of things. And I think we've heard. I hope people have heard those stories and understand. Like all of these things are happening in a lot of places, right? Yeah. I think at some point you have to move from talking about how horrific it is so people realize it's there, 
yeah. to actually talking about what do you do to fix it? And yeah. I feel the, like the systemic, the yeah. entertainment value is gone. Yeah. <laughs> At least yeah. for me, I'm just it's like real reiterating real all life. these stories is not what we need right now. What well, we need right now yeah. is. It, it's move. like the Hollywood thing to where it was forward. like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, you know, it was real, it was real mm. fun and not fun, but like it was real easy for everyone to be like, ah, he was the problem. That was the yes. bad Watch guy the in Hollywood. Fire. Yeah. And look, right. we, yeah. we, exactly. we, and we got rid of Harvey Weinstein fine. and Hollywood's fixed and everything's yeah. fine. And you're searing more and more like, no, the industry, it's still bad. Like it's everyone. there are mm-hmm. other people who are getting away with this and there's whole systems mm. that yeah, allow this exactly. stuff to keep happening. So, it, you know, know outing mario batali sure that's that's one you know abuser predator off mm-hmm. off tv and off of you know right. books and tours and stuff like that but what are we going to do about the systemic stuff that allows the yeah. stuff to happen not in big high profile new york restaurants but in restaurants in milwaukee mm-hmm. and in des moines yeah. and in casper you know right mm-hmm. i mean the part of it that's i mean what me and katie really struggle with is that everyone has a story you could go to every single woman in a restaurant, front of house or back of house, regardless, um, especially people of color that have a story of like, stay away from this chef, like he's grabby or stay away from this person. You shouldn't have to go into a place and immediately be disregarded or unvalidated. I mean, mm-hmm. right. just being scared of your autonomy and being scared of speaking out or anything along those lines. It's, terrifying yeah. and like that needs to stop regardless well, yeah just, and why is needs, the onus on the victims as a, it's the yeah. classic you know don't get drunk at a bar why was she wearing that skirt thing exactly. why is the onus on you know people to avoid getting harassed why yeah. isn't the onus on the harasser um, right like why aren't people being like hey you're yeah. grabby cut right. it out yes. Yes. You're the, you're <laughs> instead full. of being like oh avoid him because he will yes. grab you yep. that's yes. the opposite way that you should take yes. care of the problem exactly so it's just and it's everywhere i mean i've come from every single aspect in a restaurant or hospitality in a hotel um that me and katie both worked at and uh how we met and the head chef would go on tirades about you know if you'd make phrases like women get crazy on a full moon or there's a very attractive group of uh, women over there. Uh, We have to take good care of them or Sam, you have a detrimental bleeding heart. You know, that's not great. And I wasn't being taken seriously, even though I was one of the opening leaders, but it was the fact that I was a woman that I was not taken seriously. And when we were hiring, I was told to basically make sure that people look polished and then I quickly realized that that actually meant like um, we weren't supporting the local economy. We had actually brought in a chef from Chicago, which is insane to me. In Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, we brought in a chef from Chicago, not in Milwaukee, but Chicago to essentially run this kitchen. And I just could not wrap my head around it. And then I quickly noticed after going through the hiring that meant uh, white people that could afford the expensive attire during a pandemic. And I'm like, I don't uh, understand why we're doing this. This doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me. And me and Katie both just quickly realized that it's, it's the whole corporate structure that is a part of the problem as well. It's not just small businesses. It's the whole entire industry. Well, that, not mm-hmm. one place. It's all of them. 
Because a lot of these, like, small businesses, too, then, like, look up to these corporations. Exactly. Which is, like, where they'll be, like, code, like codes of conduct, but then they're not actually upheld. Because I think when we're kind of putting together our business plan or our plan for our staff and, like, how we want to have this, like, healthy, like, safe institution, essentially, like, what really is missing? Like, so these last 10 years, everything that's happened to us, like, whether that's, like, physical assault or, like, harassment or everything, like, really what is missing and, like, what is causing people to, like, treat each other like this? And, like, why is the system so messed up? And there's so many layers of it. But I think it's definitely, like, viewing empathy as a weakness and all of that. Like, this this industry is literally built to break people down. Like, so much of kitchen culture is about breaking cooks down. And, like, the idea of, like, the chef being this leader that needs to, like, fear everyone into, mo- like, motivate people through fear, essentially. And so when it's like this comes into like gender roles so that when it's like men these men will just like be super masculine and like you were saying like oh i'm gonna burn myself or i'm gonna hurt myself or something like it's messed up but it's like well i'm gonna be a man about it and just deal with it and then when you come from like people of different cultures or women come into the game and it's like no we're not we're not gonna put up with this or we have different ways of dealing with things or we're more empathetic then that's where those things are like kind of pushed away seen as weaknesses and then that's where this like constant like tragedy of the industry takes place which is just like you have a bunch of people in pain whether they're in power or not everyone's just like in pain Mm -hmm. and i think it's really a lack of uh, like manifesting and upholding structure and standards so like uh, on paper something can be like we have standards of like this is how we treat people even something as simple and like childish of telling people not to call each other names and that seems like super simple but even as adults like how you, like, um, try to speak to someone, like, whatever you call them is, like, the first step of communicating with them. And a lot of, like, for me, a lot of my communications with men in the kitchen started with, like, baby or, like, honey or sweetheart or things like that. And so, like, right off the bat, we're starting with, you know, like, degradation. And that goes from, like, a bunch of different disrespectful names that you can, like, call anyone. And that's right. just, like, the first step. So, <clears throat> I think, really, there's a lack of structure. And structure and like the idea of being like hard asses and working 15 to 18 hour days and mistreating yourself and when chefs are okay with hurting themselves and you know working into the night and giving their whole lives and just like beating themselves up to to be like that when they're doing that to themselves that's what they expect and that's how they treat everyone else and i think like the lack of actually understanding like that we are complicated humans and like not everyone is the same and not everyone has like the same goals as you um and creating standards based on that that can fit you know across the board not just for like the strong men kind of thing i think is where what i see what i I believe is like the biggest change that needs to take place And, and that's the biggest thing that we're putting into place um from us like holding each other to these standards as well so like our staff email going out and and talking about like our codes of conduct right off the bat, what we expect and also building trust with our staff. Because once you have like, you know, trust with your staff between the owners or whoever's leading it, that's where you can like build trust with the people you're serving, building trust with like, you know, when the food hits the table, is there an amount of trust there where they're going to even, you know, enjoy what they're getting? Or is it from this place of like, well, this is like you were saying earlier, Lori, like this is wonderful and beautiful, but in the back of the kitchen, we have a bunch of chefs that are like abusing themselves and abusing them, each other and just like sweating and bleeding the whole time. Crying. Right. <laughs> right. right. And you know, uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And if you can't taste that in the food, you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, which is crazy too. Like I see, I've seen so many really angry chefs make a lot of just terrible food right in front of me. People that just like, I don't know. And these were supposed to be like mentors and leaders of, you know, of my career. And I'm watching them, you know, throw pans, throw food at me, do all this. But this little beautiful plate goes up and it goes out to the, the re- like you go through those kitchen doors into the dining room and suddenly it's like beautiful music is playing and there's a vibe and everyone's happy and laughing. And it's like, well, it came from such a terrible place. Yeah. And at what point do we get to make that connection as workers and as like, you know, servers of the industry? When do we get to actually get that enjoyment? And if you're not getting it while you're making the food, then you're just breaking your yeah. back the whole time. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. you know, passing yeah. that on to someone else to yeah. do as well. Well, I mean, it yeah. was, it was bizarre for me and Lori, we recapped hell's kitchen recently and it was just mm. bizarre to watch that show in the year 2020 <laughs> right. and be like this is not that this is being made to be entertainment on tv yeah this guy and it's weird because I, I do yeah. think chef ramsey has done a lot of like kind of rebranding as like a nicer a nicer chef a lot of his youtube yeah. videos are much more you know chef junior with children where he doesn't yeah. do that and yes. like a lot more like, you know, being a little bit, I think, I mean, if you want to be cynical about it, I think a lot mm-hmm. of, maybe he looked at Chef Bourdain's death and was like, that seems like a place I could slot into now. It's like the reformed yeah. worldly chef. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was just bizarre to watch Hell's Kitchen and be like, we all know this is bad. Like we all know this right. is a toxic culture <laughs> and mm-hmm. that the restaurant industry is seemingly trying to kind of break free from this idea of like the head of the chef house is is throwing food at people and calling people names and yelling at them for fucking up an order. And you're like, how is this still on TV at this point? It's so beyond, beyond just (laughs) not even being entertaining. It's just because we love watching because a, we love watching the dumpster fire. It would be like, America like, is still a dumpster fire, money. so yeah. we yeah. thrive and fire at this point. Yeah, yeah. but it'd be like <laughs> watching like it. ESPN football highlights. And I remember back in the days where they had like the jacked up segment of like guys getting <laughs> just lit up mm. on the field. And oh, it's like, gosh. it'd be like if ESPN brought that back now and you'd be like, we know this is bad. We know these people are going to <laughs> die at a young age now. What are you doing with this on TV mm-hmm. as entertainment? That's It was yeah. really yeah. weird to watch it and just be like... The, the show that doesn't realize that anything has moved on. As right. a I remember right. when I was 14 and I was at uh, Oktoberfest and I was in uh, one of the meat cutting rooms. It was a super fun experience for one of my first jobs. But I had to go to the bathroom and I remember they were like, well, can't you hold it? I'm like, no. Can I like use the bathroom? They were like, okay, after your shift. I'm like, what? Like, are you serious? You're telling me. I can't use the bathroom, and I've already been here for ten hours as a fourteen-year-old. It's just ho- crazy. I've heard horror stories of people having to like, or like cooks not being allowed to use the bathroom, so they need to like, I'm gonna run and get something from backup, and like going out of the bath, yeah. going out of like the basement and using the bathroom in like a core container, so they could go back to go to service and like hide it from the chef that they went to the bathroom, right. like weird shit like that. Like it's just like it's so crazy like, that it's like built off of pain. <laughs> Right. And, and like, this is a basic human necessity. Basic human right. This you know, is like, like what is happening? Yeah, or like, yeah. oh, let me actually eat for two minutes because I'm gonna pass out. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you shouldn't have this thing of like, I actually do this to myself all the time where I'm like, Sam, slow down and actually enjoy your food. 
because you don't have to go run it really quick. Like you can actually sit there and enjoy it. Yeah, you don't have to eat, eat it eat over so a garbage fast. or over a sink. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, let me find all these milk crates and like sit on them because this is all I have for comfort right now is <laughs> right, this yeah. milk crate. Right, right. Yeah. So the idea ahead, for look. you guys, I think, like as you move forward, is like, okay, so let's create this. How do we create this? That's exactly. That's a little bit... Um, I feel like that's got to be a little bit intimidating, <laughs> yeah. but also really like to feel empowered to be able to do that. Because, you know, if you create a culture, like, and I feel like so much of this comes from top down that it's like, okay, I own this company. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're not going to act like this. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it's also, it's and kind of, you hire people who believe that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. And also being able to do it like on a, such a small starter scale. It's just like, our staff right now is like five or six employees and then the two of us. And we're not even like an official vendor. We are a hawker style of a vendor. Like we really get to kind of just pilot something and really test out what this is like. But at the end of the day, hopefully it will be inspiring for like other people to do as well. Um, and also like, you know, moving forward in this industry, specifically in Milwaukee, like it needs to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and not saying that we're the first ones to start it. I just mean like for us, for we are starting it in this case, like for us, it needs to start mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, but it's kind of interesting, like even talking about like Hell's Kitchen and like all the, you know, experiences of the past decade or whatever. It's like these days, it's not so much like I don't go to work in the last few jobs I have. I, I haven't really gone to work thinking, living in that fear of being like physically groped or anything like that, or even like people will talk down to me, but not necessarily like actually like full on. Like I've been told, like I've walked to a kitchen on my first day being told like, I'm surprised chef hired you because like every woman I've worked with always fucks up and me having to be Mm. like, "Uh, you have an issue working with women. Like, I don't know what to do for you or like that intimidating idea. But that was like years ago. I feel like nowadays it's not so much that, but it's more like I was telling Sam, it's called like, it's like business casual sexism which is basically like, right. you know, my chef casually asking if I like, well, how good are you at reading? Or like how, like she was saying, like how I am during the full moon or like, right. you know. Or our favorite you- when uh, one of our uh, previous owners said about hiring a bartender and they said, oh, I need boobs at the bar. Like it's just, yeah, active. It's, it's like- happening right now. It's still happening. It's just not as in your face, but it's like still so deep seated. And, you know, getting to your point where you're like, well, how do you, how do we change it? It's kind of interesting because like we can change things from our privilege as like, you know, from what we have as like white women being able to like how we treat people of color and all of that. But as far as like understanding and treating people equally, that's always kind of been like in our blood. Like that's the whole, that's the whole idea, but it's really difficult to try to really target how do like incite that change with other people? So especially like, you know, the people we've been speaking about, even working in these past 12 months, like how do I, you know, impress change upon what you're doing? Like, I'm not really sure how that would go. I, I mean, like I said, we can try to like maybe inspire through, you know, our actions, like lead by, um, what is it? Like leading by example. Example. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really don't know because it's like, I've been pretty vocal with like the changes that I want in this industry on my, you know, online. And that usually is met with a lot of like even professional like chefs or like men that used to follow me in the city, like blocking my profile or like writing something really shitty to me and then like 
deleting me off of their page. Like, just the complete denial that it exists. It's like, I'm not really sure also, like, what our responsibilities are for that and what we can do. Because although we can change what we're doing and, like, try to let everyone know what's going on and, like, everyone be aware of how destructive this really is, like, it's kind of, that's what's kind of disheartening about it is, like, we can lead by example, but at the end of the day, everyone is kind of, like, needs to do the same. Like, yeah. we all need to come together. It starts with everybody individually. And and admitting it, that it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Actually talking about it instead of just being almost ashamed of it. You should never be ashamed of speaking your truth and what actually happened to you. It's so important for everybody's mm-hmm. growth and to actually see what that means. And to actually explain why you should care about other people is exhausting. It's, it's so exhausting. It's yeah. so difficult to tell someone. I remember all the times that uh, one of the places I worked, I'm like, please wear a mask. I don't know how many times to tell you to wear a mask or having people like laugh at my face or just literally not listen to me until I'm like, okay, you need to leave. Or even having the owners and all the leaders directly above me basically just treat everyone like a joke. Like the pandemic is a joke. Everyone that works for me, like I'm the number one. Like it's not about us as leaders. It's about creating better space for everybody, for our staff, for, you know, the farms that we want to use to the consumer. It goes everywhere. Yeah. And maybe I'm an optimist here, but I have to, I have to believe that we can't stop talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. but I think I don't know, and I'm just throwing that this out there as a suggestion for the purpose of discussion. Like, <clears throat> it seems to me that we have to keep the conversation moving, but also moving in a productive fashion. Like, we need places to say, okay, I'm going to create this new culture in my environment, you know, and when I can't help but think that if you get a few people doing that, you know, and I think that I think there really are people, you know, I think Dairyland, I think I've had lots of conversations with Kurt and Katie too about, you know, what they're trying to do in terms of creating, you know, their mm-hmm. their business as well. And a lot of it was, yeah, like we need better working conditions. We need yeah. more respect. You know, we need we need people to be able to take time off. We need people to feel welcome here. You know, I mean, yeah. all of these different things. And I think you get you get enough people to say, this is what we want and we're going to start this. And you keep having conversations. And I think eventually, like, because one of my questions early on was, why? Why are people going back and working at these places, you know, where mm-hmm. it's terrible, right? Right. And everybody was like, well, A, you know, like, we can't talk a lot about it. <laughs> You know, yeah, or they're um, manipulated into it. I'm afraid I'll get blacklisted, or yeah. I want, or I want, I want to work there because I want that experience. So I'm just going to put up yeah. with it for this amount of time. Or, or it's like I, need I make money good money there, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and I kept thinking, and then it turned into sort of this like cancel culture type thing. Like we're going to call everybody out, which I don't think is productive in some regards because I think that it's not that we should hide that this is happening. But that just makes people defensive and it doesn't change. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, well, and it's the thing where you, it, the, the risk of it is that you focus on individuals as opposed to the system. And absolutely. that you can, that, right. that's the, the kind of the, the great concern. Be, like, 
that, you. that's the yes. thing that is a, a struggle with all of it is like you want to call out individuals, but when you do that, it's the Weinstein problem again, where it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's problem done, right? We right. got rid of them, problems fixed, mm-hmm. and it's like, no. We need to get rid of the mindset that you know getting into this industry yes. is a gauntlet, and yeah. that and you only and you only get to there. thrive if you survive right. he this is. gauntlet. Yes, he's still Thank out you. there. Like, he's totally he's still out there. Out there. He's still doing he's the damn thing. Still doing whatever he's doing. It's just in a different space. Like right, exactly. You know. <laughs> um, I think we, we didn't convince him he was wrong through any right, of that. Right. You know? I think um, callouts could. The only way it could be efficient would be mm-hmm. if like. Instead of canceling, it's like giving. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you call someone out, a leader. That's not a thing. Is it may just be that person, but the idea is that it's a leader, mm-hmm. so they can be leading. Like if you call someone out for being right, do it, saying racist things in their kitchen. Ideally, right. they would come forward then and like approach the situation and issue an apology, mm-hmm. and then not only issue the apology, which is like acknowledging that what you did was messed up, because by mm-hmm. le- a lot of people don't see that as being messed up, but as a leader in the industry, you can be like. No, right. I agree. This is messed up, and this is what I'm gonna do. So, so they, I think, like uh, idealistically, calling people out is like giving them an opportunity mm-hmm. to be like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do, and mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna lead by yeah. example in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I, yeah, and I, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to say to not call yeah. out yeah. people who need. Just, I didn't want to say I think, that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. didn't think you I were just saying don't want to stop there. There's definitely like a time and a place depending on the situation, like. If something terrible is happening, I mean, uh, locally, there's been a couple things in the past couple of weeks that are like, okay, yeah. this needs to be addressed. This person or this business needs to be called out for them mm-hmm. to change because some mm-hmm. places will not change no. unless they are called out. Yeah. So there's definitely a time, a place, a reason, all those things. So I think mm-hmm. it can be beneficial, but sometimes, like everyone has said, people do become defensive and basically just go, uh, no, you're wrong. I didn't do that thing, right. even though they definitely did the thing. Right. <laughs> they did the well, thing. Well, and I fear <laughs> that they, they did, did the thing. thing. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> did the thing. Yeah. Um, well, and I fear though that there's so much like ugly, like a lot of times when we're publicly calling places out. And I'm not saying that shouldn't be done, but that there's so much like let's get on the bandwagon, let's be up on this sure, thing. Sure. That right. we get caught so caught up in that hmm. that there's not a chance. <laughs> you know, right. you're going to either get a forced apology on the other side that is completely disingenuous, yeah. genuous, and then people are going to go back to acting exactly how they were acting before until the yeah. next time. And then you're like, no, really, we have to call you out on this again. Um, right. You know, and, and I don't, and I don't really know, there's got to be a happy medium there. You know, I, I would really I, I think hope part so. of it too is creating alternatives to that. You know, yeah. like, because if nobody goes and works for them, yeah, what are they going to do? It's difficult because there is a line where a lot of people are like, oh, that's really not okay. But then I saw you just got their food. Right. So yeah. you're still <laughs> the supporting problem. them. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh yes. Exactly. <laughs> Guilty. I, mean, I, I have to say, yes, guilty as charged. <laughs> well, and I think, and I think uh, we're all guilty of that because you're, yeah. you know, you're, and a, in a lot of cases, you're punishing an, an owner or a leader, you know, yeah. who still has a whole bunch of people who work for them, yeah. exactly. who don't necessarily espouse whatever kind of screwed up idea they have, yeah. you know. Um, so I can be a little bit forgiving on that, you know. But it's kind of like, so how do how do you make people just say no? 
we're just yeah. not going to go and support that by working there. Like, if you right. can't get employees, if none of the staff in the city will go there, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like that the makes world. a statement. Like yeah. in a perfect world, that's what happens. And yeah. everybody goes and works for the places that have cultures that yeah. are, you know, that are welcoming and inclusive and yeah. accepting. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't know. I want that food. I don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? I, I am encouraged by the younger generation too, because I do think they are to to put it by there. They don't seem to be as brainwashed as our generations were into this bullshit. I agree. Like I yeah, think a lot absolutely. of them look at the look at mm-hmm. like you know the, the the situations in restaurants and in the kitchens and in the workforce in general and in society in general. And I mean, props to them for a lot of this, but they're looking at it and they're like, "This is stupid. Why are yeah. we doing right. this? Yeah. Like yeah. why why does working have to be a gauntlet? Why does yep. living have to be a gauntlet? Why?" Can't we make life better as opposed to like mm-hmm. doing these ritualistic professional hazings and ritualistic okay. life hazings essentially? Like why can't we have healthcare? Why why do I have to work 48 hours in a day and a half to mm-hmm. to to prove that I should work someplace? These are stupid rituals and they don't prove anything other than that you are willing to torture someone to get a job. Yeah. Um yeah. so I'm encouraged by this younger generation that doesn't seem to have the interest or time for that shit yeah. and does seem like they they're mm. going to force people's hands more than you know i i think our generation we're trying we see it. these problems yeah. but yeah. i will i'll be the first to admit that like you know so much of my work ethic is based on this idea of like oh i have to work all the time because if i stop yeah. working I will have not proven myself a good enough worker. And that's just so ingrained and it's so toxic because if, I mean, luckily I I work in a very, I work in a fairly healthy work environment, but a lot of other places, they take advantage of that. You know, they take advantage of like, especially like in the media and in the kitchen. Matt and I are horrible to ourselves. We are not (laughs) good to ourselves. (laughs) We are, uh, we can talk to our editor about how many times she's like, Matt, take a vacation. I'm like, I'll take my laptop with me. Just in case. Stop working. (laughs) Um, But I, I like in the kitchen and in the media industries, there are places that are perfectly happy to churn out people to just bring people in, wring them dry, throw them out, bring them in, wring them dry, throw them out. And they think that's the process and it's nice to see it. Yeah, go ahead. That's a huge, huge part of corporate kitchens. It's like they make you feel so, so small. You're a number. You're a number. You are nothing. Like we could replace you at any time. Like, no, like I actually genuinely care about every single person that I hire. I care about your family. I care about if you're healthy. Mm-hmm. I care about every single aspect of your life. Like that doesn't make me weak. That makes me gentle and respectful is something that you want to be that you should strive for instead of it being weak. Yeah. And it's a strength. Mean, and it's, a yeah. lot of places this that I've worked. A, this makes I mean, me a uh, human being who can live with other yeah, human beings. Exactly. You know? I mean, yeah. at one of the jobs I worked at, I got in trouble for doing a secret Santa with my staff. I actually got called into an office and they were like, You can't do that. Like, so you're telling me I can't do this with my team and I can't like give them candy? Like, what the hell? Like, what's they were wrong too with happy. You? They were like too <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> they were like so excited over, uh, to be a part like, of something. They, they took ten minutes to open. Yeah, yeah. it was like super right. cool. That was like really it was just like yeah. all these little things that are just a culmination of what everyone has been dealing with for so long. And I think we're just all like, "Fuck it, I'm yeah. done. I'm done with this." Yeah, and I think 
you you face resistance in a lot of cases because the people who got through the gauntlet, who got through the harassment and the abuse and the the stupid hours and ridiculous inhumane stuff they view the fact that they got through it with a sense of pride like they're like i got through this and they wear it as a shield and the idea of like no i if you say that that was wrong if you say that that process was bad that takes that takes some shine off of this thing that i achieved which was this this surviving the kitchen and that i made it through means that if that's bad, well, then that's not an achievement for me anymore. Well, and yeah. I, I think that's why our generation has a hard time and older generations have a hard time because there there is a sense of like, I was the one who made it through. I, I was the one who survived the kitchen and the sexual yeah. harassment <laughs> and, and all that stuff. Up and down a hill both directions in right. the snow yeah. when it was, it was raining. so hard. Yeah. It's the whole <laughs> American society now where it's it. like, if you didn't work yeah. hard for it, then it's not good. And it's just like, but what if we don't have to like kill ourselves. It? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if right. life was and better? And what if we could work hard together and well, not like, have it have to be a badge? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Right. Couldn't we just about... like all get along? Like, I think, Katie, you said, like, I don't remember when it was, but there was like after a shift, and you're like, I don't think I've eaten for like two days. I'm like, oh, I'm sure wait, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean <laughs> you haven't eaten anything? Like, oh, that's why you have a migraine? Like, it's yeah. just, mm-hmm. it's insane. Mm-hmm. And I, you're almost like conditioned. You're conditioned mm-hmm. to do these conditioned. things and feel yeah. this way. Mm-hmm. I think the you thing know? about the gauntlet too, which is really interesting, and even like a, a deeper level to that is like, there's this gauntlet of like abusing yourself that we've now said in a few different ways. But the thing is like, that was mostly, the badge was mostly given to like cis white men and women mm-hmm. and, and like people of color are actually just like, props are just like pieces but like not whole humans in this game of like a bunch of white men mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the gauntlet really can only be like complete like if you understand what i'm saying like mm-hmm. you're actually like not we can't even as women really achieve that because the whole time we were like fighting this system and, and the idea and you, of like and you don't get a badge and then we don't no. get a badge no yeah, yeah. so like, like right. infinity gauntlet like we're all like little gemstones that fit in thanos's infinity gauntlet <laughs> For the people listening like... to this podcast and bet that this was going to end in a Marvel reference, <laughs> <laughs> somehow think, you won. Yes. And I think that's really one of the, that's another one of the solutions where it's tough to say, but like white dudes just, even Sam and I have been talking about like our you know, positions as oppressed oppressors, like it's just as much as actively what we need to do in our kitchen, as much as it is what we need to take a step back. Like there's a lot of different um, cuisines that I've like practiced in the past 10 years. Like I really wanted to go into like, you know, I have a lot of family in the Yucatan and I wanted, and I've like learned a lot of those uh, different kinds of Yucatecan foods, but I chose not to bring that into this because it's like, that's a space that I definitely do not need to take up. Like, I'm already having this privilege of this opportunity. I don't need to be like, oh, and I also I do like Yucatecan food and like a city mm-hmm. that's like, su- has such a high Hispanic population and I'm just going to come and, you know, take that space up too. And yeah. I think that's, you know, so as much as we need to like implement these changes, a lot of it is just taking a step back and like shutting up and like, be honest like a lot of white men in the city could take a page from that book and really just like shut up and just move aside <laughs> and like yes. give some just, space just to women love. give some more space and, and that listen. doesn't mean like you know you know going on like talking on their behalf it's like 
there have been issues, there have been like situations where different, you know, men have stood up and like spoken for women or whatever. And it's almost offensive. It's like, I didn't need you to stand up and like speak for me or whatever. Like, if you want to like, like, give do you, me a favor. Give me here. the mic. Give me the yeah, mic to talk. Pass the spotlight mm-hmm. over. Like, give the mic to someone else. Because still, as you're doing that, now you're still making it about you and you're still taking up that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that is a huge part. So it's not just as much as what you're doing, it's what you're not doing. And I would really like a lot of people to do less. Um, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I need less from you. I need a lot less from a lot of you. I need yes, a lot that's, less. That's, <laughs> yeah. On the one hand, you don't want to encourage people from being on the right side and speaking out. But it, when given right. the opportunity, there is a mic that you can give away when you're, yes, when you're up there. You know, I mean, and I if think, you're like socially aware and you're paying attention, like you'll know when that time <laughs> comes. Cause right. Or you should. And if you don't know, then you should start paying a little bit more attention and maybe developing a little bit more empathy and understanding actually like what your yeah. place is in the yeah. industry and all of that and, in you know, in this community. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about like, what does this workplace look, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand here and go, oh, you're going to create this and it's going to be perfect, you know, because we're all, we're also all human and we can mm-hmm. be empathetic Absolutely. and awesome. And we will always like, we have to make mistakes together too. You know, and learn from them and all of that. Um, but like, what does this look like? And like, what does the ideal future look like? You know, when you look across the industry, like, like, what does that mean? Like, and and I'm asking this because, in part, I think like so many of us, like, I don't know. It would take me a long time to think about this <laughs> right? because I just don't. I don't know what does that look like. Like, it's so obscenely like not what it is now. There's a lot of different ideals, for sure. Um, and also the opportunity for things to fail, I think, is kind of part of that, too, which is crazy. It's like part of the ideals is that it, there will be mistakes and there will be failures and learning from that. Um, I think uh, we've kind of, Sam and I have been kind of talking about our con, like our code of conduct, essentially. And that is really where we're putting in writing what what you're talking about like what it looks like um because it starts you know within our space um but again yeah it's like i'm not sure what that is i I know it's a Mm -hmm. a situation where people are not in pain every day or like hating (laughs) themselves because like no one loves to work but the idea of like you know that phrase is like if you love what you do you never work a day in your life i think that's actually far more Attainable it's toxic, than people think. It's toxic, toxic positivity. It's toxic, toxic I think positivity. That's far, I think that's far more attainable than people think, though, because I don't think that you, it's not so much that you're loving what you're doing, but like finishing the day and being like, well, I'm satisfied in the work that I put up. And like, right. you know, yeah, then, you, right, then you have right. time to develop love for yourself and like mm-hmm. develop like self reflection. I think people are really missing that too. You go and you dissociate all day at work. Then after work, you go out for drinks, then you're sleeping. It's like, you're just not actually, t- people don't actually take time to, for themselves because that's a huge part of this industry is being taught to overwork essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like what that looks like, I mean, there's a, a bunch of different avenues, but as vague mm-hmm. as it can be, would be just like people that are enjoying their time and that comes with self-reflection and respecting people around you. And structure. I mean, Katie, you talked about in-depth structure of essentially like, okay, I have this question. You're not afraid to come to your managers. You're not afraid to go to your owners. It's like, hey, I actually messed up. And I'm like, that's chill. Let's work through it together. Like, it's really not a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. you know how many times I mess up making candy every day of my goddamn life? Like, it's a thing. (laughs) It's fine. And we're going to get through it instead of just being... 
upset about it, I guess, is the best way to explain it. Yeah, it, it, it really does come from from a structure and then upholding it. And um, I think structures exist in a lot of different like levels of this industry, from corporate all the way down to small businesses, but rarely are they upheld. Um, you know, and, and I think that's just the hugest part because that is the, that is also the hardest thing to do, um, to like follow through on the rules you've written for yourself and for your staff. It can be very hard. Like for us, we're discussing how it's going to be natural for us. However, I know it's going to be difficult to, sometimes it's really hard to like take the high road with things. And it, it means you might be working understaffed that day, or it means you just like, you'll have to sacrifice something. And like where sacrifices and liabilities lie at the end of the day is like on, we never know what that's going to be like until it's happening. Um, also, it's interesting, like coming from us and all these like hoop dreams we have about what we want this to look like. And we are, we have yet to have any capital in our business yet. Like we, this is all conceptual. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. So we, like, we I, I hate to we be broke. like, yeah, like business owners in the city that have actually been like working yes. really hard to attain all this and thus coming in and be like, well, we're going to change it. I, I know that there are a lot of, I mean, I can say like I recently worked at Birch restaurant and that is a place where I found that this is, these kinds of things are being upheld. It's like an ideal situation. I absolutely mm-hmm. felt respected i felt like i was learning i you know like that was it's something that i i learned i was there for a short time because i had to come and start working on strega but i would say that's an i it's you know an example of an ideal you know scenario mm-hmm. so it's definitely happening like people are it's 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 being manifested in places around mm-hmm. us and i think it's and i what think that's us. i think that's good too and i think we need to talk about those places you mm-hmm. know and Absolutely. share those places and be like that place was an amazing place to work go work there like yeah you know, don't don't sacrifice yourself and go work over here because you think that's a good experience. You know, go over yeah over yonder. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I wish it's weird not having a finger on the pulse because of how crazy this last year and a half has been. Like, even just like you know, my family reaching out to me like we want to go out to dinner or like do this or that, and not really having it. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm so out of touch. Um. Because every place, you know, I don't even know if that place is open anymore. I heard some like drama happen there in the kitchen or, you know, but I don't know if that's still, if they've changed their ways. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, it's like the wild west a bit, which again, that brings us back to the beginning of this discussion where you said everything's kind of open up. This is the perfect opportunity to change it. And I, and I think that there are a lot of restaurants. And if we're going to talk specifically in Milwaukee, that are leading in that direction that have not only changed their ways, but maybe they're also a new kitchen that are starting off on the correct foot as well. Um, and that only is, I mean, that's inspiring for Sam and I, that motivates Sam and I, that makes us feel like it's not so disheartening, like we have some kind of crazy dream that's never going to happen or that's going to be extremely difficult. And although it will be challenging, it's definitely capable when we can see, you know, leaders around us doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting, I guess, because part of me wanted to hear you guys talk about this you know, in kind of the planning stage. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's the point in time when you can just, your throat of throwing the pasta at the wall, so to speak, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I mean, really, literally, (laughs) and seeing, you know, seeing what sticks. Um, And I don't, I don't think, you know, I mean, and you guys were really good about admitting, like, we don't have all the answers. We just know that this is the direction we're compelled to go. And I think it's important to hear that you know, at this mm-hmm. stage, you know, Absolutely. and then, you know, and maybe we talk about this again in five years and I we talk so. about like, did that work? 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, because I think I think it's different to talk to somebody who's in it and who's in like, okay, this is now what we're because it's never going to be perfect, and you're always going to be making yeah, changes. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, absolutely. I mean, yeah, um, that's it's always, always the, an evolution. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. This, there's stuff 15 years from now that we're going to look back on and be like, oh, we were shitty about that. Like, we were, hmm. we we always talk about like how fast things have moved now. Things that were. There was there was a use of the the homophobic slur in commercials for The Hangover. That movie made three hundred yeah. million dollars less, mm-hmm. like maybe a decade ago. Right, like, exactly. It, yep. it it like the world has. I mean, we've all been alive long enough to to see the R word go from popular common parlance to utterly wiped off and mm-hmm. utterly yes, unusable. Exactly. Like, and and a lot of that stuff came fast and came before people were expecting. I mean, 10 years from now, we're probably going to be debating. We're going to have these same conversations about stuff that we thought was fine to say now. And we're going to be like, oh, we were, we were messing that up. What we were doing was insensitive. The world is always changing the way you're supposed to talk and the way you you look at the world. And hopefully it's always just moving. Hopefully. Yeah. The better direction. Right. And and being a part of the change in like a way of like, okay, I welcome this change as opposed to being upset about it. Yeah. Instead of being like, but I liked using that word, you know, (laughs) listen, I, listen, I I know when I was like in grade school or in middle school, I probably said the R word and you know what? I, I found new words and a lot better words. (laughs) And it's it's okay to say, I liked that word, as long as you want to, like, as long as you understand, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, okay, I did that. I made a mistake. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, right. right. It's not well, like, well, I like doing that, so I must keep doing it, right? And it's right. holding like, everybody accountable. It's like, okay, yeah, you did it, but, like, clearly you're not that person anymore. Let's just, like, yeah, figure it out together and then, like, move mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I I did enjoy that brief. This is were you did you see the headlines on the Matt Damon thing where he like he like talked to the media on a movie project and he was like just like a few months ago I found out you can't say that f word anymore. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I think he meant I think oh he God. meant it as like a like look at me growing and maturing yeah, and everyone yeah. was like you're like a decade behind oh dude, at, <laughs> at minimum. Like, yeah. Jesus. Like yeah. I'm sorry you're about to get the smallest parade in the world that day. <laughs> yes, like, like, the I, smallest I was, violin. Yes. The yeah. tiniest violin. <laughs> I was but, you today know, years like old said, and I realized that we live in a racist was, society yeah. and, you know, yeah. yeah. No, no, I mean, I like you were you, like like you were saying, Sam. I guess it's a better thing for it to be that way than to someone being like, "I'm still using the word and it's great, and I'm never yeah. going to stop." <laughs> at, right. least yeah. at least, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing wrong. I have no yeah. idea that it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah but don't worry, nothing. Laura. You are. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> we we do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, well, I feel what I don't know. I look. I look forward to. I don't know. Having these conversations need to start somewhere. There's no way we're going to, you know, solve any of this. Yeah, did know, we solve in institutional hour. sexism in an hour? <laughs> 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 it's a, it's a it's just, yeah. Actually, guys, and, it's actually been an hour and twenty five minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. Technically, yeah. wow, yeah. is that the Nobel Pulitzer hours, Prize or three hours? Yeah. 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 Is that the Where's Nobel Prize so? at our door? <laughs> yes. Wow. No, no. I mean, like, no podcast is going to solve it. But I think, I think it helps the more we talk about it. And the more people yeah. people think about it when we talk about it. And the more we make mistakes when we talk about it, you know, because I'm sure, yeah. like, sometimes I talk out loud and sometimes I say things not quite in the way 
that you want them to come out. Right. Not quite <laughs> you know? intended. But but that's sort of part of the process. Absolutely. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. The yeah. act of the conversation is a key part of it. And yeah. it's yeah. it's good good that it's it's happening. So Yeah. And it's okay to be also afraid and intimidated by it. Um that doesn't mean that it's something you can't do. I think, you know, like interpersonal development that comes through how you're treating people around you. I think it's really important to take cues from the community. I think that's the biggest part of like being able to move past it and admitting, you know, something is fucked up is being like, well, mm-hmm. I can take a cue from like that part of the community that's telling me this is wrong and go from there versus being like afraid to admit it. You know, I think if you can admit that to yourself, it's like, that's where the first step is, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will say before you leave, I I do need to get some pasta cooking tips from y'all. Before <laughs> that was a serious I, question. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's too much. I, <laughs> I so any 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 pasta tips before we leave? <laughs> oh, just general tips. Just, just general, general tips. pasta cooking tips. I am making pasta tonight. Matt so. is on a oh, journey. Matt yeah. just I've recently, watching... in the past couple of months, has started. Don't cooking cool pasta. down your so. freshly cooked pasta with water and let it yeah, sit in rinse. a bath of water. Don't okay. Your I haven't been doing that so this never is rinse your pasta and save some of the pasta water before you strain it all out into the sink dip a mug in there and just save it for like when you're making the sauce to put that in there oh, i'm feeling really pumped. salt you salt water like the sea which i'm sure you've heard before yes but i'm really bad at it because i always feel i always under salt it because i'm always like that can't be that's <laughs> gotta be there, enough if right? you're salting it yeah. like this with little fingers you're definitely under salting it I but just i like, have dainty gotta, little fingers to begin with <laughs> you gotta <laughs> dump, just dump the whole I hope thing if you there. have a dainty little pan that's okay I'm making yeah. big size pastas. <laughs> so, big yeah, size pastas. Um, uh, and, you'd rather undercook well, it than overcook and it. And to be fair, Matt, if you're doing is, Ken- Kenji's low water shallow pan technique, yes. you can't put as much salt in Absolutely. that amount of water. It, we're talking like the, the way that, you know, the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. That's pasta, why the ratio you know. is like the sea, so you should taste it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if you're cultured, you've tasted seawater, Matt. So that's <laughs> yes. if you've been to the ocean. I exclusively <laughs> get Aquafina. Yeah. I get Dasani Sea Edition. <laughs> it's very fancy. Uh, all right, all right. It comes in glass bottles. <laughs> well, this is all very good. I was going to make cacio e pepe tonight, and oh, this hell is all. Yeah. yeah, I I have been going on a journey these these this past month. I'm trying to learn how to become a, a decent cook. And I'm very proud decent of you. in massive you need a air job? quotes. <laughs> yeah, yes. I was about to say, come out and <laughs> hang course, out at Strega in the kitchen yes. with us. I don't know yeah. if you need someone to undercook pasta regularly. <laughs> there we go. There we go. See, you got this gig because you because you were like the guy who wasn't the foodie. So, you know, be no. careful. I be mean, careful. there is a part of me that... <laughs> the, the real question I want to ask is, I have had a theory about pasta, mainly SpaghettiOs, oh. that the shaped SpaghettiOs are better because you get more pasta. Uh, and I want to ask pasta experts if this is true or not. The but shape I of feel SpaghettiOs? Like, oh, I yeah. see what you mean. Because they can, like, condense more. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, like, the princess SpaghettiOs, which I always get, <laughs> because they, they the don't shapes. make... Yeah, and they don't make any other shapes. They just make princesses. So the person at the, yeah. like, the counter looks at me strange. <laughs> um, but I I will... I get the princess SpaghettiOs because you get more noodle as opposed to regular SpaghettiOs. And I, I, have I, yet I guess to it fi- depends if they're weighing out their pasta. So, like, if I'm making pasta at the restaurant, 
it's not by eye. It's like I'm weighing out how much physical pasta mm-hmm. you're getting by the gram or by mm-hmm. the ounce. So no matter what the plate is, you're going to get, you know, four ounces or six ounces or eight ounces, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I wonder if SpaghettiOs weighs out their pasta. Okay, Before that is they the can ultimate it. question. But yeah, dear Mr. Either, Campbell's, okay. yeah, either they take you. the sauce and the pasta separately, weigh them separately. This is what you have to do now. Yeah, you have to go <laughs> buy every single can of spaghettios and do this. And put more and put more of the cheaper thing <laughs> into the can. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. We were yeah. having this very important conversation about harassment and you we know, were, improving right. the workplace. And we're going to end up recon- yeah. yeah, In a month instead, we're going to reconvene to discuss ratio of weights in a SpaghettiOs. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, SpaghettiOs Same. are heinous. Oh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. My but, heart by just... the way, they're terrible and that's trash. It's wow. Fine. This is Wait, only okay. Spaghettios with the meatballs or Spaghettios with the hot dogs also is a vital question. Spaghettios with the nun. Just oh, with Spaghettios. The nun. <laughs> with the nun. With, yeah, with, just with the Spaghettios. With, with yeah, neither. Those spaghetti. little meatballs are like, I don't know what they are. What is They're, it? I don't know. Yeah, we don't it, know what that yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the yeah. hot dogs are an even bigger mystery because, yeah. I mean, that yeah. is not a substance yeah. that meat identifies as. Right. <laughs> So. Uh, that that is tr- that is more yoga mat or trampoline there, yes. than yeah, me. It's an MRE. <laughs> I mean, you guys know what MREs, right? Oh no. yeah, the military. Okay, yeah, so an MRE, it's like oh. what the military gets, and then it like expands. It's whatever. That's what that is. I've recently had one that was like thirty years old, and I'm still alive, so it's super fine. <laughs> That's good. What was it? Good? Was it? It was awful. Great? It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Sustainable yeah. though, sustainable. Yeah, it was still family. fresh. Like I opened it, and it had like a really nice hit Can to it. Fresh? So I was like, yeah, it was fresh. <laughs> yours, I was like, this like is an... better than like all of the food in Milwaukee. No, I'm totally kidding. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, so, so you're telling me my exclusively MREs restaurants <laughs> is a bad idea? Uh, no, I think it's Actually, a great idea. <laughs> Matt's day one opening article. The next day, the closing article. <laughs> It's been a great one run, folks. <laughs> Turns out I ran out of MREs people wanted to eat, which was zero. <laughs> <laughs> out of rations. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with us about issues both important and utterly unimportant <laughs> uh, in the case of the last five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Well, uh, and, right. and thank you for being among the people who are, who are talking about this and, and taking steps toward it because that's what we need. Forever, you know? yes. Matt and always. I can talk all day, and it's not going to change, you know. Yes. Yeah, that's really all going of us on, can. So. I think that's kind of part of the problem. We don't shut up, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. that is. So, yeah. What's that about taking a sidestep, yeah. Sammy? I don't that's know. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me just see myself out. <laughs> In fact, so, yeah. really, this is a podcast, super... so if we all shut up, this would be a so, very yes. bad podcast. Right. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Right. No, we really so, appreciate so, it, yeah. having us on to... Yeah. chat about this kind of stuff and let us know and hopefully everybody listening like like let's all get on board and and help out with this yeah by i supporting, want to see you guys show supporting up supporting what's really good please, and please show up. yes yeah. and speaking yeah. of supporting where can people find out more about strega you can find out more about strega exclusively on instagram we have a handle strega mke uh we're in the midst of developing a website which should be up within the next seven days i would say if not sooner Ooh. yeah for sure um but yeah, we're kind of... So maybe by the time this podcast runs, 
that would be uh, yes uh, yeah so yeah yeah probably, possibly, which would be stregamke.com but we're staying off of like twitter and facebook for the most part and just really honing out on instagram because um, instagram is a less diseased social media truly. platform <laughs> yeah well, and it's the perfect place really really if you're touting food i mean yeah, yeah could be, absolutely I, I think twitter can be really really productive facebook right now is a little toxic so yeah Here's here's to getting together on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. we are not hashtag fake news. We are real. We're <laughs> hashtag real pasta. Hashtag news. real news. Yes. Hashtag f- hashtag no fake news. Hashtag no fake pasta. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag yeah. strega. Hashtag magic. Hashtag spaghetti nose. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that specifically. I'm just yeah, still I mean, emotionally hurt from you ripping on spaghetti. <laughs> really, no judgment. In all honesty, honestly, eat, eat whatever you want. Tell that to the wound you just gave me. <laughs> Shove spaghettios in it. it? Okay, rub some well, dirt I mean, on it. Katie yeah. is gonna make like an easy back, so maybe she'll make you yeah. like a spaghettios version. Ooh, but like, yes, I definitely have an easy back. Like a really, like, really, really easy one. mac on the menu. Gourmet yeah. spaghettios isn't gourmet there spaghettios actually... just spaghetti and tomato <laughs> sauce? <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my gosh! That oh, that's right. It's supposed to be oh, okay. Oh my god! Oh, thank you so much thank you again. again. Yeah, oh, the dogs are barking. Do you guys do the usual like here, like subscribe at my channel? Is that like smash that like button? Yeah, smash that like button. Smash that like button. We so, do not. You know, then we then we ease into an outro where we where we introduce people to the food porn minute, where we read passages or poems about food. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sometimes, uh, we should sometimes probably say Strega opens uh, October eighteenth. That's a yeah. date that is happening so, so, soon. So the rumors. So the rumors are. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Mid, we'll uh, say it's mid-October. Mid-October. Mid to late October. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. let you know when we actually get physical access to the space, which we have not. So yeah. <laughs> this is all just... Yes, you're that important is there. Is that so important? So everything that is we just stuff? said is hypothetical. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank so. you again. Thank you. This thank was you a really great conversation. Yes. Here, I think we can call it a podcast. Bye. What a fascinating conversation across the board both the industry side of things but also obviously pasta uh, since that is pasta. my newfound my newfound passion in life my my newfound mission to to get it's so honestly i we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast as well but the J. Kenji Lopez alt Italian recipes, you realize how easy a lot of these classic Italian dishes are. And I'm, I'm sure I've brought up this point in the podcast already at this point, but it, it's just incredible how really uncomplicated they are, but how delicious they are. It's just yeah, truly yeah. easy, good cooking. And Foundations and tenets of like Italian cuisine are like simple, but good ingredients. And I think yeah. It's just proof that that It was a bummer. Uh, I previously tried to make, I think I tried to make Isla Olio once with a, with a, a person. <laughs> and we like subbed out all the ingredients for bad versions of the ingredients. <laughs> like instead of using like lemons, we used like, I don't even know if we put in lemon juice. Like I, and it's just yeah. like, there's only seven ingredients in the dish total, maybe. And that's including <laughs> like, 
pasta and water. <laughs> um, so it ended up not tasting that great. And we were a little bit like, oh, whatever. It's just kind of pasta. And then I made it with actual lemon juice and like, you know, and, and good oil and Italian parsley. And then you taste it and you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. It's so mm-hmm. stupid easy to make. And it's so good. Yeah. And now I'm, and now I'm, and now look at me. I'm cooking for, for my significant other these days. And she, she's amazed by me, despite the fact yes. that I'm putting in so little effort. There's so not much that needs to be done to a lot of this stuff. Well, and it's nice because like Aglia de Oliva is like delicious and you can put it with anything you want to eat it with. You know, yeah. it's pretty much a, a blank canvas. But, Proteins but are still a, level, a confusion for yeah. me. Next level is you should go to Aura de Oliva, the olive oil and vinegar store. Oh, yeah. And pick out like little bottles of some different olive oils and do it with the different olive oils because they all taste different. Yeah. Um, I got some, my mom some of those for Christmas one year because she like yeah. really got in love with yeah. uh, love with that place. Or was it Oro? Uh, Oro Dalva. Was, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it, it's and really I, fun. I, I buy a lot of my olive oil there now um, partially because you can be guaranteed it's absolutely fresh because um, <clears throat> they work with and and it's not like I don't know they say if you're not careful but a lot of olive oils in the store especially imported ones like are a lot of times cut with other oils like you're not quite I'm sure I'm not getting the you best olive oil um, yeah but it's and it's only a little bit more expensive. But anyway, that's next level geek for you. Yeah, so. that's definitely going to be next. I mean, I, we've as I talked about in the last podcast, I've started experimenting with my pastas and going to try to try adding, making some adjustments because that's kind of the next step is is freestyling from the recipe. And we talked about my garlic noodles last time, the J. Kenji Lopez all garlic noodles, and how I intend on adding some like shredded carrots to that next time because I think that's going to be. Just a nice little like crunch and a nice little thing a little to bit lighten of it up. Yeah. yeah, and take away like a little bit of the salty. Yeah, I, I approve. So I'm very excited, Lori. It's food porn time. It is. It and is. conveniently enough, it's about you. pasta. Go figure. Go figure. There we go. Pizza, yeah, it's the about pizza and T. S. Eliot. Classic combination <laughs> in a piece called Mr. T. S. Eliot cooking pasta. Uh, it's by Joseph Tornai, I believe I'm pronouncing Tom, that right. Tornai, yeah, it's Torna- originally is written it a, in uh, Hungarian. Torna. Yeah, so if this uh, if this ends up sounding weird, uh, it's it's the translator's fault it's because it's, it's not Joseph's fault. Right. And it's, it's Richard Wilbur's fault. Everyone blame Richard Wilbur if it sounds weird. Um, but yeah, so I will. I, I I think it's my turn this week, and it's about pasta, and that is my newfound love. So yes. I mean, not newfound. I've loved pasta for years. It's just now I'm I'm actually doing something with it, which is a nice change of pace. So here I go, Mr. T. S. Eliot cooking pasta. That crackle is well worth hearing. He breaks into the macaroni tubes as to make them fit the pot, then casts them with both hands into the water above the white electric range. The water bubbles, seethes, the pasta sinks to the bottom of the pot. Mr. Elliot casts a glance through the wide kitchen window toward the park. It is raining there, and water pours down the trunks of trees in substantial quantity. 
puffling blonde into a poison green sargasso sea. Which reminds him of the pot. Just so much contemplation has sufficed for the rising of the pasta to the water's surface. He fishes out the bouncing ropes with a colander, American-made, and runs cold water on them from the tap. One is obliged to do so, otherwise they will stick together. So Mr. Elliot writes to a friend later that evening. Still, the most gripping moment comes when the macaroni are broken in two with a dry crackle, in that somehow one recognizes oneself. I, I like I, that poem, but I couldn't get past macaroni. Macaroni's small in tubes. It's not you don't no, break macaroni. No, but they sell they sell a form of it because it's a, a macaroni is an extruded pasta with a okay. hole in the center, and if you don't cut it into little pieces and slightly twi- twist it into that macaroni, that kind of curved macaroni shape, mm-hmm. they sell long tubes of it. A lot of really? times, like, bucatini is technically a long tube. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a bucatini um, then. And, and a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of dishes where Italians will do these whole tubes, you know, or they'll, like, they'll arrange them in a dish, um, like, lengthwise, and eat them whole. But a lot of people, just for everyday use, will then, will break them up into, like, more manageable pieces because oh. they really are kind of awkward to eat. Um, so, yeah. I learned something here. Thank you, Joseph Tornai <laughs> and Will, Richard Wilbur and Mr. T.S. Eliot cooking pasta. I learned something today. In fact, I bought my first batch of these long pasta. Um, Ooh. And they were really, really long. And I was like, there's no way I'm keeping them whole. So then I went <laughs> and read about them online. Have I you been really using the, the J. Yeah. Kenji Lopez? All, we've probably talked about all this earlier mm-hmm. in the podcast too, but it, it, I just am in love with him right now. He only cooks, he cooks his pasta in super low water in a skillet. Mm-hmm. Because his, his stance is that it won't stick unless you're using fresh pasta. And also, you get starchier water because it starchier has less water. water. It's less mm-hmm. water and that starch kind of gets to... What's yeah. the, the word I'm trying to think of? It gets to really... It, it's centralized in a little bit of water as opposed to a big yeah, pot. It's, it, it's concentrated. Concentrated, like, so. thank you. And I find that that's fine if you're, if you're cooking for like one or two people. Um, if you're trying to make a bigger batch of pasta, doing it in a shallow amount of water... Like you eventually get to a point where there's not enough water. Um, yeah. Or the pasta takes so long because there's such a huge concentration of starch in it from too much pasta that you don't, like, it takes forever to cook because it needs more water. So, so yeah, I think I, yeah, I usually still make my big old pot. Okay. I've been doing the skillet method partially because the, you're not, I don't, I know everyone knows that you're not supposed to break the spaghetti noodles anymore. Right. Like you're supposed to leave them full, but if your pot's not big enough, then it kind of like sits on the top and then it gets burned a little bit by the burner down below and it's just a nightmare. So (laughs) I want to avoid that. I'd have to show you in person, though. Okay. Well, we'll discuss anyway. these tricks off, Mike. But first, Lori, <laughs> where will. can people find, uh, not tricks, but treats? Can, yeah, treats. Well, you can find Food Crush. Food Crush is a treat. Not the a ultimate treat. treat. Yes. 
<laughs> not the San Francisco one. Um, not the San Francisco no. treat. But you can you can definitely, you know, you found the Food Crush podcast here, but you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, where hopefully we share other things that are interesting to you about food. I would think. I would think. So we've been doing, it's currently dining month, and we've been eating fried chicken around the Milwaukee area. Uh, So hopefully you've been staying tuned with that and finding out which fried chickens are are worth the calories. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's going to be all of them, because, I mean, it's fried chicken. You can't can't get too bad. I think there are varying levels. I'm sure there's bad fried chicken out there. I don't aspire to having us eat any of it. Yeah, we're Um, not going to seek those ones out. and And I think fried chicken comes down to it's just plain subjective what you want yes. in your fried chicken. This you is know, true. How much bread do you want? We'll talk more about that later, though. Yes, we will. We will. We will. Fr- in the meantime, where can people find you? You can find me at a man about film on Twitter. And you can find me by my name on Facebook. And you can also find me at a man about film on Instagram, where I'm not posting things, as I keep saying over and over again. And one of these days, I'm going to, you know what? One of these days, I'm going to make a really good cacho y pepe, and I'm going to post a photo of it on This is Instagram. what I want. I want a record of your pasta journey. You know what, Lori? You've talked me into it. I'm going to start making, I'm going to start taking photos of my pasta. And so people can see what I'm making and how it's turning out. I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna post the failures too, Lori. It damn it, be, you're getting it, me on Instagram. It will be magnificent. <laughs> Hated that, Lori. Um, <laughs> where anyway, can people? Um, yeah, you can let's also, call it. A, you yeah, can also find me and my really bad jokes sometimes <laughs> um, at Low Frederick Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, and now I'm cutting you off, Lori. Cut me off. It's, After it's that just, joke. Just like a long macaroni noodle. Ah, oh, that's good. All right. You've redeemed yourself now. All right. <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening. You're all the best. And uh as always, keep cooking. Keep cooking.